Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Secret of Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, N.D., C.N.H., is the best-selling author of the ebook The Secret to Everything, Manifesting the Life You Desire, now. Available on Amazon. She has practiced naturopathic medicine for over 20 years. She is a gifted intuitive, medium, empath, paranormal investigator, and remote viewer. She travels and gives classes and lectures across the country, as well as taking limited private clients. Trained in many modalities of healing, Dr. Kimberly has been practicing energy healing exclusively for the last 10 years. Dr. Kimberly has the ability to raise your vibration in person or long distance, and as a result, change everything in your life for the better, forever. A gifted transformationalist, she has developed TEB, or Transformational Energy Balancing, in order to facilitate permanent and rapid healing in her clients. Her desire is to be your last healer. And now, the host of The Secret to Everything, Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. The views expressed on The Secret to Everything are not necessarily those of the host, the co-host, or our guest. All medical information given is for informational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose any disease or condition. Please see your medical doctor or qualified health practitioner if you have any further questions. And as always, thank you for listening. Good evening, everyone. We have an amazing, wonderful show for you. We have not one, but two very popular nationally known energy healers. So I encourage you to call in and ask questions at 646-564-9712. The time will go quickly once we start talking. So if you want to get in, I highly suggest you call in now. And before I let any of my lovely guests and co-hosts and producer talk, um, I'm going to go ahead and set the energy and intention for the show and play a protective meditation. I kind of threw this together, so it's a little intense and kind of rough, but it'll still, it'll still set the intention for a great show and kind of set up a protective bubble over us, which, as we all know, on this show sometimes we need. So I'm going to go ahead and play that, and then we'll get on with the radio show. This is a protective meditation. We call in the white and golden light of God to surround us. I hold the space for all who seek and need healing of divine origin. Realizing that all energy has a consciousness and placing your fingers gently under your collarbone on the left side, take a deep breath in. Let it out slowly. Let go of all the low vibrating energies that are fear-based. Breathe in deeply and slowly. Let it out. 
Let go of all the low vibrations that are anxiety-based. With your next breath in, and keeping your fingers gently under your collarbone, breathe in the beautiful purple rays of the amethyst crystal. Absorb the vibration of powerful protection into your energy bodies and into your auric field. Expand those rays to extend about five feet out from your body and surround yourself in an oval cocoon. We surround each of us in this beautiful, pulsating, protective amethyst light. Clear our minds of all thoughts that are not our own. Clear our energy fields of all frequencies that are not beneficial to our health, healing, wholeness, and highest good. Protect our minds from others' thoughts. Protect our feelings from others' feelings. Protect our homes with the highest intentions. Breathe in and breathe out. Okay, now I'm in a better place to do the show. Man, it always seems like it's so frantic right before this show. Well, I would like to welcome my trio of talented co-hosts and my producer, Kara from Strange Days Indeed, Walt, and I call him Ghost Hunter Walt because um, he's on Twitter and that's his name, but we will just call him Walt, and of course, the infamous Mr. Kareem. So, welcome back to the show, everybody. Thanks, Kim. Uh, Hello. Thanks. <laughs> Do you like being called infamous, Kareem? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to let, um, we, have a, we have a little bit of business to get done before we bring on our esteemed guest, Shoshana, but I'm going to let Kara take over and give us our announcements before we get going. So, Kara, take it away. Okay, well, if you missed last week, you'll want to hit the archives as we add Melinda Carver, medium psychic, on, and she and Dr. Kimberly gave some fabulous readings. It seemed like we read on everything from Bigfoot to Poppies to Love, so definitely check that out. She is highly talented. (laughs) Tonight, we are featuring Shoshana Katzman, director of the Red Bank Acupuncture Center in New Jersey. Shoshana is the author of Qui-Gon for Staying Young and Feeling Light, and Feeling Light, a healthy weight loss book. She has produced eight women's conferences with various luminaries in the field, as well as an inspirational lecture. Her website is www.healingforyou.com. And I did check that out. She wrote some fabulous articles, and there's lots of information on her website that you will just love to tap into. The second half of the show, we will be joined by Michelle Herbert, author of The Tenth Door in the Inner Practices of Yoga CDs. Michelle Herbert is a master yoga and meditation teacher, natural nutritionist, personal trainer, author, presenter, and internationally recognized leader in mind-body-spirit integration. She pioneered the teaching of yoga and meditation for health benefits in the varied fields of medicine, fitness, education, the spa industry, and the corporate wellness arena. Her website is rajayogis.net, which I will write in the chat room. 
Next week, August 22nd, we'll have Dr. Joy on of drjoy.com and discuss the controversial subject, The End Times. We'll be taking your comments and questions. Dr. Joy has written the book, Eden, The Knowledge of Good and Evil 666, which she will be discussing, sure to be an interesting topic. The second hour, we are pleased to welcome Jared Hewitt. Jared Raises Consciousness is an energy healer and the author of Big E, Everything is Energy and Love, Life, God, the Journey of Creation. Jared will take live questions and work on your issues. Jared has developed a new system for healing, so call in early. And on August 29th, we will have the pleasure of talking to Miss Eva Gregory, America's divine guidance coach, speaker, author, and conscious channel. Her latest book, Life Lessons for Mastering the Law of Attraction, co-authored with Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup for the Soul fame, and she was one of the featured teachers on the blockbuster DVD, The Secret, which can be found in bookstores everywhere. Her work, In her work, Eva brings through loving, non-physical guides known as Theos. Theos is a stream of consciousness whose mission is to integrate our understanding of how we embody our higher selves and begin to live from the highest point of consciousness now. To learn about her other products and services, visit yourguidanceondemand.com. Heading into September, we will be featuring Renee from Renee Live on September 5th. Call in early. Renee will be doing live readings all show long and will be joined by me and Miss Dr. Kimberly. On September 12th, internationally known energy healer Maz Seja will be talking about your connection to spirit and raising your vibration with his gentle healing energy. On September 19th, Brad Johnson, a healer and channel, will be joining us with his angels to answer your questions about life, love, this planet, and everything in general. Listen to the archives so you don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime chance to talk to our internationally known readers, authors, healers, live and up close. Don't forget to go on to secretoftoeverything.com and sign up for our newsletter and mailing list. You will receive a brand new MB3, Dr. Kimberly's Manifestation Booster, using cutting-edge technology to help you bring what you desire into your life now. Now, remember, you can contact us on Twitter. Dr. Kimberly is at Serene Wellness. Kareem is King Cash Flow. Cash is in K. Uh, TG is at intuitive underscore PS. Kara, which is me, is at Coast to Coast Kara. Walt is Ghost Hunter Walt. If you have su- suggestions for future guests, please tweet or email Dr. Kimberly at do- dr.kim.ste at gmail.com. Dr. Kimberly will be hitting the International Telesummit circuit this fall. She will be on well will be speaking on Wealth Mastery Now. Check it out at www.wealthmasterynow.com slash wealth. Uh, she will be on this telesummit on September 4th. Please sign up to hear Dr. Kimberly. She'll be talking about money and how to bring it into your life right now and also coaching with the masters, coachingwiththemasters.com. She will speak, be speaking at that telesummit on September 6th. Sign up to hear her speak about raising your vibration, energy healing, and manifesting what you desire in the now. And that's what's coming up on The Secret to Everything. Wow. Thank you, Carrie. You know what I was thinking of when you were talking about Brad? I think it's Brad Johnson coming in and channeling angels. <laughs> yeah. You know what I was thinking? He doesn't need to bring angels because he has you and I, right? 
<laughs> I have to let you know that my cat was trying really hard to mess me up. She came into the room and started, like, doing this meowing dance. And so that's got to be the hardest thing I ever read because the cat was trying to upstage me. <laughs> was your cat meowing or was that my cat? Because I'm like, is that my cat meowing? Whose cat's meowing? Was my cat, cat was going berserk. Oh, Miss Fergie Fur. Yes, the cat's meow. Well, I don't want to keep Miss Shoshana on hold. She'll be like, what are these people doing? They're not even going to let me talk. So without further ado, is there anything you'd like to say about Shoshana that you haven't said? Do we need to talk more about her probably, maybe? Um, Let me see. Um, What haven't you said? Well, Shoshana has been a Chinese medicine practitioner for 40 years. She has a master's degree in sports medicine master's level training in energy medicine, which is one of my personal favorite hobbies. Um, She offers a unique form of holistic healing and support. She's the chair of the New Jersey State Acupuncture Examining Board and the chair of the National Qigong Association Advisory Council. She devotes her time and energy to Red Bank Acupuncture, where you will find a caring group of individuals dedicated to helping you heal naturally. She offers the following services at her center, acupuncture, Chinese herbology, Tai Chi and Qigong instruction, energy medicine consultations, and educational workshops. Again, her website address, which um, is up on my website, I believe, and Carol will put in the chat room, is www.healing, the number four, the letter U.com. And she has some things that I'll let her talk about. I think they're going to be offering some training in September in New York. But without further ado, welcome Shoshana to The Secret to Everything. Hi there, I'm here. Very happy to be here. The energy is incredible. Oh, you're the sweetest thing. Thank you so much. It takes a lot, as you know, sometimes when you work in energy and you're trying to spread light and consciousness, it just seems everything goes wrong right before the show. So we're really happy everybody made it. Thank you, everyone, and so happy that you agreed to be on. You have such a diverse background, and we're interested to hear all about it. But first of all, I have to ask you, this is my personal question, so you, when you say energy medicine, what type of energy medicine do you practice, or is it something that you came up with yourself? Well, the Tai Chi is energy medicine, Qigong, acupuncture, Chinese herbology, and then um, I have applied to all of that the Chris um, technique, which I have been learning for 14 years from uh, Christine Schenk from Hamburg, Germany. She comes to the U.S. and and teaches me. So basically, I just, I apply her technique to not only my personal life, but also my profession and how I do everything that I do in a more safe secure manner and in a much healthier manner as I work in the world of energies, which is, you know, it's just, as you all know, it's vast, it moves fast, and there's a lot of things we need to do in order to protect ourselves as we help people and help ourselves energetically and physically as we live each and every day of our life. You know, I'm going to pick up before everybody else starts asking their questions or we have callers, but I'm going to pick up on a word you just said that caught my attention, which is you just said protect ourselves. Can you go in a little bit to that? What do you mean by energetically protect ourselves? Well, when I'm working, let's say, um, with a client, 
and um, the client comes in and they have a lot of um, a lot of issues, and they may be um, very very um, very ill and very disconnected with themselves, and they may be projecting a lot of um, whatever's going on with them outward. So when I'm sitting in front of them and counseling them and, and, and learning about their life and their biography and everything that they've been through and asking them lots and lots of questions, I need to be in a place where I am very, 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 very safe within myself. And um, so I, I've learned through the years certain techniques of, of how to do that, of how to how to hold myself and how to talk, how to speak to other people and to orientate myself in a certain way that um, I... I stay safe. It's it's um it's really what's made my teachers work, Christine Shank, such a, what's made her work such um a pioneering effort. I mean, many, many people have, you know, see and and are aware of, of energetics, but she's the the only one that's calling attention to the importance of us in the energy medicine field that we must, as much as we do amazing, incredibly healing, wonderful things for people, that things can also go wrong. And, mm-hmm. and go the wrong direction, and so that's why she's saying, "Hello, hello. We need, we need safety here in in our energetic work." And 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 that's that's what I've been so fortunate to learn, and so fortunate to have applied to my work because when I started with her, I actually had energetic. Um, I was I had illness energetically mm-hmm. um from my occupational work because of how I was doing my acupuncture how I was teaching my tai chi and qigong and so now now that's that's really she supervises my work so I even all these years later I need supervision because Things can happen very, very quickly um, on an energetic level, and there's so many things to be aware of, and, and she's so brilliant that she supervises me and helps me see things that I didn't know or realize could happen, and then I add them to my my um, abilities for the next time I see something happening. She teaches um, people to see something happening way before it happens because things move so quickly. It could it, things could get into to your system energetically, and then and then they're in, and there's nothing you can do. So, so her work really um, teaches practitioners how to maintain uh, safety and security while they're working in the world of energies. Hey, Shoshana, um, how did you get started with this? Did you did you have I, did you notice yes. that a gift or something? Is it early early on? I you know ever since I'm a child, I've I've been the one that people have come to when they have had problems. I I always did massage on people. I was always 
um, my grandmother had Parkinson's disease um, very young at 36, and she used to come to my house um, with my family, and I would be the one that would take her hand and, and, and take care of her. And then my younger sister, who was 17 years younger than me, um, from her smallpox vaccination, got post-vaccinal encephalitis and was very sick. And I was always the one that was there to help her. So from a very, very young age, I I knew that I had I had this special way. And 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 then I started, um, I got involved in, in my first energy medicine uh, in 1974 when I started studying Tai Chi in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. And that's right before then I had gotten, gotten my training in massage therapy, but that's a more physical orientation to the body. And uh, the Tai Chi and the Qigong and the Gong Fu, um, is what really was my entry into Chinese into Chinese medicine. It's fascinating. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, so how does your Chinese medicine? Do you actually prescribe them the different Chinese formulas? Do you develop your own formulas? How does that come into play with what you do? Yes, I have um, six years of. Uh, Two two years, three different trainings, two years each with Michael Tierra, Sabuti Dharmananda, and Ted Kapschuk, all very, you know, very, very well-known um, acupuncturist and um, herbalist uh, in, in the U.S. And um, they taught me how to create Chinese herb formulas. Um, Michael Tierra also taught me acupuncture and taught me diagnosis. So when I started seven years so 1981 was when I first started studying Chinese herbology and acupuncture. And in Michael Tierra's uh, Santa Cruz office, it was just so incredible, just you know, containers and containers of hundreds of Chinese herbs. And he would just take me and just say, okay, this is Romania, this is wild yam, dioscorea, this is cornice, these in, and he would just have me take the herbs and weigh them and make formulas. And he, he's a world-renowned practitioner, so he'd be treating people for many, many serious illnesses. They would come all over to be treated by him. And he, would, he just taught me just right away, just put these herbs together. This is, you know, we would give everyone the bags of herbs to go home and cook. And he used to take me with him when he would do home visits with people that were bedridden and show me how to take slippery elm bark powder and add water to it with a little bit of ginger if the person was emaciated and had no appetite and couldn't eat. And, you know, it, it was just the most incredible, incredible teaching that and learning and and. That, that's how I learned acupuncture was as um, a, tu a California state-approved uh, tutorial student under the direction of Michael Tierra and also Miriam Lee, who is now passed. But Miriam was one of the first licensed acupuncturists in California, and she was in Palo Alto, California. And I learned one, you know, just following her around and seeing how she did her treatments and. And then when I moved back east, I went to the Tri-State um, College of Acupuncture, and I've gotten my master's degree from them. 
So I use both Chinese herbs um, formulations and acupuncture, and then I teach Tai Chi and Qigong because that's the way that people on a daily basis, the Chinese are so brilliant, the way they've created the, the, the system of medicine, that people can do these ancient Chinese exercises for health and longevity and actually balance their chi throughout their entire energy body on their own on a daily basis. But I guide them on doing the exercises in the proper physical and energetic form so that so that they remain safe while they practice. So, so Sean, what do you do with the herbs when you, after you cook them? Do you, well, more, you more so them? now, yeah, you, can, you cook them, you add five cups of water and, and, and boil it down to three and then add four more and boil it down to two or one and then you mix it together and you drink a half a cup twice a day. But today, with the way Chinese herbology has developed, there are there are formulations available in pill form if you want to, if a person wants to do a traditional formula. But I work with um, uh, China Herb Company in um, Philadelphia, and they they use liquids that I feel really good about. So they have all the individual herbs as liquids. And I'll, I usually do a custom formula for my patients, and I call in the formula, and they mix it. They take each individual li- liquid and mix it. And this way I can ta- make it tailor-made for each patient because everybody has such different constitution and symptoms and needs different Chinese herbs. So, And then you take one teaspoon twice a day or one tablespoon twice a day of the liquid. You know what's interesting about what you said? I I used to kind of not be a big fan of like yoga and Qigong, even though I've um, had I've done a little bit of it in Tai Chi, and I really didn't see the importance. It's funny because the higher evolved I get in my work, and the higher I come into a, a higher vibration, it and it's funny even reading our next guest book, I've really become kind of convicted, Shoshana about uh-huh. the importance, and I've been in this for 20 years as a naturopathic doctor and an herbalist, and but I've never really focused on the body work. So 20 years later, now I'm just getting excited about the body work and seeing what an asset that can be. So can you talk a little bit about that piece of that well, circle and it, how that just, fits in? Well, yes, absolutely. I mean, everything that I do, acupuncture, Chinese medicine is not just energetic, but it's physical. So I'm treating the physical body, but I'm treating the energetic system in order to make physical changes. So the physical body and how a person eats with the foods, the exercise they do, their sleeping habits, their elimination habits, everything, you know, whether they live in a, a damp environment and they should and it's aggravating their condition or if they need to be around more warmth in their life and eat more warming foods and be around warmer people and more loving, caring and support in their life and these are all for their physical body, but then it it it's absolutely important that the physical body and the and the energetic system the energy body is have equal importance and equal emphasis in our life because we're here physically energetically we're here we're here physically but it's about working together as a whole with with both aspects and and that's the beauty of the of the chinese medicine that i do is it it focuses 
physically, I insert acupuncture needles into the physical body and I access the energy uh, within the energetic system when I do that. So I'm treating both and, and, and I deal with both and I help people from both from both perspectives. So I, too, agree with you. It is, it's, it's so important. Sometimes, you know, when we start learning about energetics, we can go, whoa, 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 way, way over into another, another direction and, and forget our, our, um, our support that we need from, from the physical. The physical is essential, absolutely essential. No, Shoshana, you're, you're, I, I just have to ask this. Your, your first name, is that, is that your birth name or is that, does that mean something? Or? It, it, it means Rose, and it was given to me at birth, and I'm one of six daughters, six girls, number two in the line, and when it was time for my parents to tell me my Hebrew name, which I was given at birth, they couldn't remember it. So I was a lost Hebrew baby for many years until my last child, my third child, was born, and, and it was his bris. And the rabbi said, "Ridiculous! Ask your parents what your Hebrew name is." I was 44 years old for my 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 last child, and uh, my father remembered my Hebrew name, Shoshana, and I just because it's a Chinese name, it's a Hebrew name, and it's a Native American name, which are all. You know, I follow the Native American ways. Of course, the Chinese medicine is Chinese, and then being a a Hebrew Jewish baby, I just I just cried, and I within a couple months officially took um, Shoshana. But my family still calls me Sherry, and my patients that knew me before I took Shoshana still call me Cheryl. <laughs> so I'm every I'm everything to everybody, which is. One wonderful, but uh, yes, I, so Shoshana was taken. It's but it it is my birth name. Yeah, yeah. I thought when you said Native American, that's that's what I thought it was. Yes, 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 yes. Interesting. Yeah, I learned all the Native American ways when I was with Michael Tierra because he we we would do the the circles the um we would do all the rituals with with the stones and and uh, and I used to go to gatherings and I learned all the Native American songs and it's just that was just a, a wonderful way and then learned all the um, Native American herbs as well so uh, yeah. And then when I lived in Santa Cruz, I used to go up to Mount Madonna and then learn a lot about the Ayurvedic. Michael Tierra's teachings to me were a combination of uh, Ayurvedic, Western herbology, and Chinese herbology. Plus, he taught me homeopathy, how to make my own homeopathic remedies, how to do Chinese herbal injection therapy. I mean, it, it was just amazing. But after I moved to New Jersey, I really felt like I wanted to just stick with my my, my Chinese herb, herbology and acupuncture and Tai Chi and Qigong because I didn't want to spread myself too thin. There's enough to learn. It's a lifetime of learning in just those disciplines. So, yeah, why did then, you pick Chinese over like other forms of, of it just dealing? It just happened. I, I met this guy, and he just couldn't stop raving to me about Tai Chi. I was... 
I was in San Francisco. I was kind of like um, very disconnected, a very very lost soul because I left my family in Pennsylvania. I just had to get away, and I I was I was very poor at the time. I just was very disconnected with myself. And this guy just told me I had to do Tai Chi Chuan to center myself, and that it would it was for health and longevity, and it opens up the flow of chi. And he sat there for two hours, and lo and behold. I was living on Hayes and Ashbury Street, and I looked down at Golden Gate Park, and there's like a hundred people doing these gorgeous, graceful, unbelievable movements. And I went down there, and here it is. It was Tai Chi, and that's how it happened. I mean, that's why it's always good to talk to people about what you know and, and all these things that can help, because if he didn't take that time with me, I would never have found this. Never in a million years have found my well, life's work. Well, I'm from San Francisco too. I was actually born there. Oh. So I have my own. Uh, I have my own memories of San Francisco, which are quite different from yours. Uh huh. But uh, but then we moved to New Jersey too, so I live oh. in New Jersey as well. So kind of almost wow. the same path. So yeah. Shana, could yes. you share with us a specific? of course, without using names, and if you can, general um, situation that you see in your clinic often, like maybe an emotional problem or a physical condition, and kind of walk us through, like, what would happen if we came to your clinic um, with a certain condition, like, if you can, or tell us a story, if you'd like. Sure. Uh, I I specialize in fertility. So um, I had this woman... um, and she was sitting, I walked in to interview her for the first time. She was sitting on the floor crying. And I said, what's the matter? And she went to tell me that she was in premature menopause at age, I think she was 34 at the time. And I just sat with her. No doctor would look at her. No doctor would help her because her hormonal system was kaput. She had one child who was three years old, and she desperately wanted more children. I sat with her. I work a lot with people with bringing, giving them hope, finding, finding a way to have, help them to find hope within themselves that they can heal, that they can get better. Lo and behold, I did Chinese herbs with her for eight months. She got acupuncture. Her little one would stand at her feet holding her toes while I was treating her. It was the cutest thing, you know, just hoping. It it was just so precious. And eight months later, she called me and said she was pregnant with twins. And after she gave birth to her twins, she gave birth to a fourth baby. And then she went back into menopause. Anything can happen. People get so forlorn. You know, Western medicine is great for so many things, but sometimes there's no hope or no, no, there's no other way. And people get so down and and they feel destitute and they feel lost because they have no nothing to turn to. 
And here I gave this woman alternative path. I just have a new patient this week who was diagnosed with asthma. She's on an inhaler, and she's 26 years old, and she's getting completely hooked on this inhaler. She's so worried. She doesn't. She wants an alternative way. I gave her. I gave her probably about 15 techniques she could do. I gave her foods that are good for asthma, good for the lungs, nourish the lungs. I told her about sitting in the bathroom and running the hot water and getting the steam in the room. I showed her how to cross, cross over, push lung one with both fingers as she takes deep breaths into her lower dantian, showed her qigong exercise she can do because asthma is the energy, all the energy rising up, and she has anxiety too. So I showed her how to bring her energy down, how to breathe into her belly, relax, center herself so that she can bring that energy back down and get her lungs, get her bronchioles, everything to relax. She was eating a ton of dairy. Nobody told her not to. She loved, she was eating a ton of ice cream, cold foods and dairy. Ice cream is the worst for asthma. So she can only see me like once a month, but I'm just going to, I just took her home with so many techniques. The thing is, is alternative therapies have these alternative methods that we can do to help ourselves. We need Western medicine also, but it's so important to do whatever you can to balance and heal yourself because the body heals. We sometimes need Western medications, sometimes, but we have to do whatever we can to maximize our body's own healing abilities. And there's so many ways to do it. It's just finding a book, finding something, finding a person that can support you and guide you and give you hope that, and help your body heal itself. So that's what I do. <laughs> and Shoshana, this is Kara. I have a question. Uh, what does stress do to a person's well-being and their energy flow? It stops. It's, it suppresses. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. really causes a break um, in in the energy flow because it it suppresses it suppresses everything. It, it you know it, it 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 shakes up the entire energetic system. And in you know, as you know, it it affects the kidney adrenals, and the kidney energy nourishes the energy of all of our organs. It's the water element, and so it affects the bladder, which is the sister organ to the kidneys. And um, on the five elements, the kidneys nourish your liver, and so then it affects your liver, and the liver nourishes the heart, and so forth, and so on. And so the stress completely undermines the way the energy is flowing from one element to another and uh, and stresses out the kidneys so the kidneys are the root of life there as i said it's it's nourishing your entire system so if uh if you're if you're allowing stress to suppress your system it it sets you up for illness it's it's not good at all 
You know, when you said that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, back in April, my mother passed away very suddenly, and at the time, like the next week was her funeral, and I started having like feelings of a bladder infection, and that's kind of followed me throughout several months of having pain in like my kidney area. Do you think that that's probably attributed to the stress and the grief process? It, it could. I mean, the grief, the grief has to do with the lungs, with your lungs, the lung energy of the body. The fear has to do with your kidney energy and the kidney bladder energy. So, but if you're under a tremendous amount of stress, that's affecting the kidney, kidney energy also. And also, you see the Wei Qi of your body, W-E-I-Q-I. Wei Qi is your defensive energy. And so what happens when you're under a tremendous amount of stress, it, 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 it undermines your Wei Qi system. And so if infections, even though there might have been a... a a, a microorganism in your system, if your Wei Qi and the Qi of your organs is strong and you're eating healthy, you can fight it off. But to be so, you know, upset when you have a death in the family and you have an altered state of consciousness at that point in your energy just isn't flowing right, it can it can create the weakness in your Wei Qi and you and then a pernicious influence um can you know like a cold wind or a hot wind or something can can invade your system and and make you sick or you can like with the bladder it's more damp heat um is oftentimes because the bladder is such a, a damp area in our body and so damp heat all uh, you know and an infection can can happen and, and flourish in the bladder because of that well, that's very interesting. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And when I saw that Dr. Kimberly booked you as a guest, I was very excited because I've always wanted to try um, an acupuncture therapist, but I just didn't know how to go about finding a good one. Uh, are, do you have some recommendations of that? That's a good question. Yes. Well, the um, there is the... Um, and NCCAOM, which um, is a national governing body that licenses and certifies acupuncturists nationally, and they have a list of people. But I think it's really good to ask around, ask your local health food store, or ask a physician that that you trust, or a massage therapist, and ask around, and and make sure that the person that's in your area has a good reputation and has good training. And you you want to make sure that they'll get on the phone with you, or if you go in their office, that they'll sit down with you and that they'll take their time. It's very important that the first visit, an acupuncture sits with you for an hour and really goes over your history. It's very, very important that, that um, you know, someone like myself that's trained in, in energy medicine, um, one of the things I'm, I'm learning to do now is to become a teacher of the CRIS work so that I can teach other acupuncturists. Um, you know, it's very important that they have an understanding of both the physical body and the energetic body. And um, 
So you just want someone that's that's balanced, that's reputable. You really want to be in the presence of someone you feel comfortable with that is very centered and and is very whole within themselves because it's, um, you know, you just don't want any kind of uh, transference or counter-transference to happen that wouldn't be healthy Mm -hmm. for you when when you receive energy work. And one thing I want to mention, sorry, Kara, about acupuncture is I think there's a misconception that even though we have a rather enlightened and conscious audience, still, I've had acupuncture many times, and one of my favorite stories is I had severe IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, like 15 years ago. I couldn't even eat food, Shoshana. I would immediately throw it up. Like anything that hit my stomach, I mean, it was so bad. I went to a very well-known acupuncturist in the state of Ohio with a, you know, certified and everything like you're saying. And Shoshana, it took me two sessions. It has never come back. Wow. Amazing, I think. And I think it was two half-hour sessions. And, of course, I never had acupuncture. But really, for those of you that are afraid of needles, I understand that. It's kind of a mental, emotional thing. but And you can clear that. But it is seriously... Now you're making me want to go have a done. I swear I'm going to skip it. It is the most relaxing, and this sounds crazy, but I think Shoshana will back me up. It is one of the most relaxing physical body practices I have ever done. And I've had, like, 50 needles all over me. I've had 10. I've had them everywhere. And it is super relaxing. Would you agree with that for most people, or do people have different experiences? No, I mean, well, if if it's not good for you, you 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 will know it. I mean, most people have the kind of reaction, but the needles need to pl- be placed appropriately. And if they are, it sounds like your treatments were absolutely right for you. And basically, what you were describing was the chi chi your chi was going the wrong direction because food uh-huh. was supposed to go downward. And it was going up. Everything was going up, similar to what I was describing with the with the asthma, where it, it, it's like a derangement of in the way the chi was flowing for you. And so the treatment just right away balanced your energy and and your digestive system, which is governed by the spleen. The spleen energy governs the transportation of food. So I'm sure uh, they they did a lot of spleen points yes. for you to strengthen your digestion. But, um, no, it is so relaxing. Uh, people fall asleep. People can't wait to get back for more treatments. It's 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 just, um, it's surprising. It's surprising. People are always amazed at, at what it does feel like to have a treatment because why would putting needles in the body make you feel so incredibly wonderful? I mean, who would ever think such a thing? And who would think, like, Another story I have is someone had a a tumor, a a gynecological tumor the size of a grapefruit. I treated them. The doctor went, opened her up, and the tumor was gone. Now, why would that happen? I mean, it's so incredible that acupuncture could do such a thing. Or I always say this, you know that in China, major surgery is done with just acupuncture anesthesia. Mm. How can that be? But it is. It works. Because we're energetic beings, and that is addressing really our substance, whether even our physical substance 
is still that energy. And we really need to, as you do in your clinic, work with, you know, energetic modalities, in my opinion, whether they're more physical or not. Um, one thing yeah. I wanted to point out that you were talking about that you alluded to that, um, for I know you know this, but one thing I enjoy talking to people about is that the different organs in Chinese medicine have different emotions. So would you share with us, just for a little background, to illustrate a point, what is the emotion when someone comes in with a, a spleen imbalance? What emotion goes with that? Uh, the, okay, a spleen imbalance is um, the emotion is worry, overthinking. Uh-huh. They can't make a de- – they cannot – they go round and round and round and round. They cannot – they cannot come mm-hmm. to any decision for movement in their life. Mm-hmm. They usually have excess water in their body. They feel worse during um, damp conditions and during the summer. And, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of water retention and worry, worry, worry. So knowledgeable. Thank you. Tara, do you have some questions? Um, We have a question in the chat room. Spirit Winds asked, what causes heel spurs? It it. It happened. Well, that's a that's more of a Western medical treat um, question. Uh, heel spurs, I think, is walking on surfaces that are very hard, and it gets there's an inflammation that happens, and um, that's the best I can do with that answer. But honestly, acupuncture it. I am so surprised. People come in. The way you know you have heel spurs is as soon as you get out of the bed and you put your feet down on the floor, you can hardly walk on your feet. Mm. A lot of a lot of runners have this, a lot of people that work out a lot. And, I, I mean, people come in on, on a scale of 0 to 10, 10 being the worst of pain, with a 10-plus with these heel spurs. Acupuncture works. The only thing is, is treating the heels, which is what I need to do to get rid of that inflammation and help blood get into the area and chi get into the area, I have to do the heels. Everywhere else on the body, mostly mostly every other place on the body is painless the way I do acupuncture. The heels can hurt because of the skin and the nerve. It's just... It can be painful, but it is so worth it because, and sometimes it gets worse before it gets better with heel spurs. Usually it does, and you think, oh, why did I do acupuncture? It feels worse. But it's pushing it out, and as it's pushing the problem out, you feel it more, so it got worse before it got better. But I have had such high success with heel spurs. I'm so glad you mentioned it. Okay, well, we have a quick question from um, one of our callers. Kelly in Connecticut, welcome to The Secret to Everything. Hello. Hello. How are you, everybody? Good. Do you have a question Um, for Shoshana? Yes, I have a question. Um, I was just wondering if uh, acupuncture is the best thing for my back and um, neck pain. Yes, acupuncture is most well-known for back pain and neck pain. And in Germany, a couple years ago, I think it is now, 
There was such high success rate with acupuncture treating back pain that the German government pays for acupuncture for its citizens. Wow, that's awesome. Wow, really? Yeah, that's huge. And, yes, it's it's probably the most common problem I see here in my office is because people think of back pain synonymous with acupuncture and neck pain, yeah. and it works. There's also MRIs of the brain pre- and post-acupuncture that are showing that endorphins and other opioid-type substances are released from the brain when you get acupuncture. They're actually seeing pre- and post-MRIs, pre- and post-the acupuncture treatment. And so that's how they think it helps with pain. But traditionally, we believe that it's opening up the flow of chi within the meridians and the energy body and releasing blockages and moving blood, and that's how. And strengthening the kidney energy, which nourishes your lower back and nourishes your bone, and working with the liver energy, which has to do with your neck. And a lot of times it has stems with the emotion of liver, which is anger. And so we work with balancing the liver energy so that you can, you know, not have all those shoulds with the shoulders and all that tension in your neck, and you can have all your energy flowing, strengthening your kidney energy to nourish your lower back and balancing and opening up the free flow of blood and chi in your body by releasing and opening up uh, the chi and blood flow of the liver within the liver. Wow. Wow. Thank you yeah. so much for calling, Kelly. Thank you for listening. You're we welcome. Have to, we have to get to our other guests, and okay. we have to allow. So you know what? So Sean is one of those guests that could talk like for like ten hours <laughs> because she's so knowledgeable, and then go on the next day and talk for ten hours because we could just yeah. grill poor Miss Shoshana forever. She just knows so much about everything. I love it. So I thank know, you for Thank you for You're giving welcome. us all your Shoshana. knowledge. Shoshana, Shoshana ahead, do you have a book? I have two, Feeling Light, The Holistic Solution to Permanent Weight Loss and Wellness, and Qigong for Staying Young, a 20-minute workout to cultivate your vital energy, which is also a primer in Chinese medicine and teaches you self-acupressure and has a lot of what I'm talking about tonight. All right, great. Thank you. You're welcome. And Christine Schenk is having a training in New York City, uh, September 8th to the 12th, a basic training, if anybody wants to study with her. And uh, you can find out more about that. You should do that, We're we're not too far apart here. Yeah. Oh, no, she's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. So thank you for having me. I'm so glad to be with all of you tonight and with your guests and your well, listeners. Well, Shoshana, we're having it. We're going to have an herbal show on in um, December, and I'll email you because I'd like you to maybe join our panel because you can kind of bring you know the piece of the Chinese herbs in, and maybe you'd like to come back on. So I'd love that. That would be great. I would great. love to have you back on. Thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you. it. Have a great evening. You too. Bye bye. Take care. Okay. I loved her. Wow. That was a privilege. She knows her stuff. It's rare that somebody can impress me because I'm awfully multifaceted myself. And I started out in naturopathic medicine as an herbalist and had a mail order company and put together my own formulas. But she, she's awesome. So thank you so much. And I'm excited to get to our 
next guest as well, Michelle Ebert, and I don't know how to pronounce her name, so she can yell at me when we finally bring her on the air, but Kareem, would you go ahead and um, remind us of what's coming up, and you can kind of cut some of the descriptions short if you want to, so we can get Michelle on, because this is going to be a good next hour as well, so if you can go ahead and do that, that'd be great. All right, so I'm going to go straight to next week. We are going to have host Dr. Joy from drjoy.com to discuss the controversial subject of the end of times, and we'll be taking questions and comments. Dr. Joy has written a book, um, Eating the Knowledge of Good and Evil, which she will be discussing. I'm sure it's it's going to be an interesting topic. Uh, Second half, we're going to have uh, Jared Hewitt, and his website is www.jaradhewitt.com, H-E-W-E-T-T. Um, he raises consciousness, and he's an uh, energy healer and the author of Big E, Everything is Energy and Love, God, Life, God, the Journey of Creation. Jared will take live questions to work on your issues as well. Jared developed a new system for healing, so please call in early for that show. Um, on August 29th, we have the pleasure of take, talking to Miss Eva Gregory, America's Divine Guidance Coach, speaker, author, and conscious channel. Her latest book, Life Lessons for Mastering the Law of Attraction, co-authored by Jack Canfield of Chicken Soup, for the soul fame, and one of the featured teachers on the Blockbuster DVD, The Secret, can be found in bookstores everywhere. In her work, every you know, Eva brings through her loving, non-physical guides known as Theos. Theos is a stream of consciousness whose mission is to integrate our understanding of how we can embody our higher selves and begin to live from the highest point of consciousness now. To learn more about her other products and services, visit her website, and that's www.yourguidanceondemand.com. Heading into September, we have Renee from Renee Live on September 5th. Call in early because we'll be doing readings with Renee as well as Kara and Dr. Kimberly. On September 12th, internationally known healer Moss Sajay will be talking on your connection to spirit and raising your vibration with this gentle healing energy. On September 17th, I mean 17th, 19th, Brad Johnson, a healer and channel will be joining us with his angels, a.k.a. Carol and Dr. Kim. <laughs> that was great. I love it. I love it. Good one. <laughs> to answer your questions about life, love, this planet, and everything in general. So make sure you listen to the archives, but don't miss our once-in-a-lifetime chance to talk to our internationally known readers, authors, and healers live and up close and personal. Also, don't forget to go to the website, which I've been posting in the, in the chat room, www.secrettoeverything.com, and sign up for our newsletter and mailing list. For doing that, you will receive 
a brand new MP3, Dr. Kimberly's Manifestation Booster, using cutting-edge technology to help you bring what you desire into your life now. And remember, you can contact all of us on Twitter, Dr. Kimberly at serenewellness.com, me at King Cashflow, K-I-N-G-K-E-S-H-F-L-O, T-G at intuitive underscore P-S, uh, Kara at Coast to Coast Kara, and Walt at Ghost Hunter Walt. If you have any suggest me questions or anything for our future guests or suggestions for any shows, you can email Dr. Kimberly at drkim.ste at gmail.com. Dr. Kimberly will also be hitting the International Telesummit Circuit this fall and will be on a Wealth Mastery Now. And that, that website, I think I posted it in the... Um, chat room also is uh, wealthmasterynow.com slash wealth and she will be on this telesummit on September 4th. Please sign up to hear her now and she will be talking about bringing money and wealth into your your life. Coaching with the Masters is www.coachingwiththemasters.com and she will be speaking on this telesummit on September 6th. Sign up now also to hear her talk about raising your vibration, energy healing, and manifesting what you desire now. Thank you, Kareem. Sorry, everybody. Just had to get to that business. And we have a couple sponsors for The Secret to Everything. I want to mention Spencer Hughes Photography captures the extraordinary in everyday life from majestic oak trees and the crashing waves of the ocean to Hall Dome in Yosemite and San Francisco landmark, Spencer Hughes Photography will stimulate your imagination and soothe your senses. Note cards are available as well. And just for my amazing and lovely and wonderful listeners to The Secret to Everything, he is offering a special promo code, 30% off your entire order. Visit SpencerHughesPhotography.com. That's SpencerHughesPhotography.com. And Inner Bridges, your one stop for coaching, consulting, and training for the 21st century. Let intuitive coach Leslie Emerson and her team of professionals help you to go from how to well personally, professionally, or with your business. New startup, nonprofit, small, medium, or large. Visit Inner Bridges at IBCCT.com. That's IBCCT.com. Wow, that's a tongue twister. I can barely say that. You guys have got a little taste of my radio day. It's easy to fall back into. But... Without further ado, I am so honored that um, Michelle agreed to be with us today. Michelle is the author, among other things, of The Tenth Door. And before I go into um, reading a little bit about her, which she can tell us about herself as well, I'm sure, and maybe I won't even, I might just go straight to the interview. I kind of picked up her book and I thought, oh, this is another one of those spirituality books where, you know, they think they know everything. And Michelle is such a beautiful soul and such a gifted writer. And I wrote her when I first started reading this because I didn't really think I would learn anything new. And as I shared with Shoshana and you guys earlier, she's really kind of rocked my world. So I'm hoping she does the same for you. And I'll share a little bit more how she did that and some things that really hit me as I was reading her book. As a matter of fact, I enjoyed it 
so much. I kind of left it for myself as a treat to read, so I never even got all the way through because I just had to digest it in tiny little chunks. There is so much in this book. So Michelle is a master yoga and meditation teacher. She's a natural nutritionist, a personal trainer, an author, a presenter, an internationally recognized leader in mind-body-spirit integration. She pioneered the teaching of yoga and meditation for health benefits in the varied fields of medicine, fitness, education, the spa industry, and the corporate wellness arena. She's been teaching yoga, meditation, and breathwork for over 30 years. This is a master. I want you guys to wake up and listen. <laughs> Things that she says can change your life because I know she's changed mine. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Michelle. Welcome to The Secret to Everything, Michelle. Wow. Thank you so much, Dr. Kimberly. What an introduction. It's wonderful to be speaking with you, and I'm so glad that the book had such an impact. Well, I imagine my guess is. It's just a little suspicion that you get told that quite often. <laughs> you know, I, I'll tell you, I do, and I get people telling me that they've read the book the second time, and the second time they get so much more out of it. Because the first time they get caught up in the story, and although some of the teachings come through, but the second time they begin to really uh, pick up the things that they missed in the first reading. So... Yeah, thank you. You know, it was definitely, um, as I was writing the book, uh, The Tenth Door, my teacher, who is no longer alive, Walt Baptiste died about 10 years ago, but he was right at my shoulder. Sometimes I would sit down, to, and I knew exactly what I was going to write about that day, and I would sit at my computer, and something entirely different came out. And um, I knew that I was being directed to and really helped on other levels in the writing of it. Well, I have a funny little story to kind of tell on Kara, my producer. Kara said, do you have an electronic electronic version of Michelle's book? And I said, no. You know, she sent me a hard copy. And Kara said, well, I'll try to get it off Amazon or at the library. And I've gone through my books many, many, many times in my life. And I probably, I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, I'm probably down to about 25, 30 classics because you just don't need to haul that much around your your whole life. And I know some people like to have a large library. I've weeded through mine. But as a matter of fact, and Kara can testify to this, Michelle, I said, you know what? I would send it to you, but I'm keeping this book. So if you great, Michelle. So that's how, that's how amazing. This is going to be one of my classics and something I refer to and things I share out of for years to come with my clients. So I just want you to know that you have really – um, touched my life, and you know, as a result, you'll be touching many people's lives, you know, through me as well. So. Oh, I'm so, I'm so appreciative. I'm so appreciative. And you know, when I wrote the book, one of my goals was to bring out these teachings that this incredible teacher taught me. But I had been inspired um, in my life through books like the Autobiography of a Yogi, which is the great Paramahansa Yogananda, and the story of his training in India with his teacher. Um, another one um, was Dan Millman's book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, and that is a story about his interaction with his teacher. And through the interactions with the teachers, a lot of uh, tremendous information and spiritual truths come out. And I just find it much more interesting to learn through a story form. So that's what I really wanted to do. And it's so funny because 
I tried to write other books and tried to sell them, and nothing seemed to work. And I realize now I was trying to write a book to sort of get my name out there. And the spirit had other plans, and my job was to really pass on this powerful, these powerful teachings for people. And um, evidently, it's come across very well. Uh, and so I thank you so much for your appreciation of it. It really makes it all really worthwhile, all that work. Yeah, and it is. I, I, it is. I'm on my second mini book. Nothing like yours, but even a, a mini lighter book, it is, as you know, a lot of work. So could you kind of, for those, of course, I have read most of your book, and but a lot of our listeners haven't. So could you kind of start at the beginning of your spiritual journey and lead into how you even got to the place where you would be writing a book? Uh, surely. Actually, I, I was raised in the Midwest, in Cleveland, and uh, in a very sort of Midwestern normal upbringing, whatever that is. Uh, but my, I had an unusual circumstances that my dad was a great uh, flutist, and he played flute with the Cleveland Orchestra for 40 years, flute and piccolo, and he was my flute teacher. And in many ways, in those early years when I was learning to play the flute, he would spend a lot of time with me on breathing exercises. And I realized that this was a foreshadowing of the breath work that I would learn later mm -hmm. on in yoga. <clears throat> It was a sort of a fluke, if you believe in flukes, that I ended up um, on the path that I'm on right now. But in a way, it was something that I'd been pre preparing for all my life unconsciously. And one day I was uh, lying in bed in, in Cleveland preparing to go to graduate school, and I woke up and I realized that my life was going in a totally wrong direction it wasn't something that i really wanted although i had made all these plans to to do that to go to graduate school and stay in cleveland instinctively i knew that i had to leave and so i picked up the phone and called my father who was going to be leaving with the cleveland orchestra the following week to play the hollywood bowl and i asked him if he could get me on the plane and he i explained to him what was going on and he knew me pretty well and he arranged uh, for me to get on the plane with the Cleveland Orchestra and go to California. And I was being drawn uh, to meet my spiritual destiny, which uh, manifested in my stumbling into a yoga center one day and thinking, oh, it might be nice to take a yoga class. And uh, I went, uh, took a yoga class, uh, what I thought would be a yoga class, and it really turned out to be a lot of uh, meditation and concentration. And this was the man who ended up becoming my spiritual guide and teacher for the next 30 years. And I had a, a profound experience in that class, and I knew that there was a lot more than I'd ever learned in Cleveland, and I decided to pursue uh, the teachings of uh, this particular teacher, although I didn't really think I'd stay too long. I was in my mid-20s, and this was sort of an adventure. But within a couple of weeks after doing these practices, the classic uh, yoga practices, not the yoga practices that are so popular in the United States today, not the, not the physical workout aspect of yoga, but my teacher, Walt Baptiste, was a master of Raja Yoga, and Raja Yoga is also called the mental yoga, and it's learning to get hold of our chattering minds. 
In the meantime, there was some posture work involved, a lot of breath work, which is a real key. And um, I'm, I'm sure you remember that that comes out quite a bit in the book, the importance mm-hmm. of breathing and different practices to help open up the breath capacity. But um, I, I really learned uh, a lot about my mind, and that was really one of the most important teachings that I learned through this particular school of yoga was the mind is so powerful and through the, with the power of the mind and the power of the breath we can accomplish anything in our life including and I do a lot of uh, teaching these practices to people who are very ill because with the power of the mind and the power of the breath millions of cells can be changed in an instant but we have to train our minds. So it was through this period, there was two years in San Francisco where I worked uh, in the Baptiste restaurant. They had a huge complex. They had, they had a health food store and a gym. Uh, Walt Baptiste himself had been a former Mr. America, and his wife was a great dancer, so there was a dance studio. Uh, there was a health food restaurant and a boutique. And it took up almost the whole city block in San Francisco. And I started working in the restaurant and uh, in exchange for yoga classes. And after two years of uh, during which period I went to, during this period I went through tremendous transformation as a result of the practices on every level. I was invited to go down to the Baptiste retreat in uh, Central America in El Salvador. Now, Walt's wife, Magana, was born in El Salvador, and they had been looking around in Central America, South America, and Hawaii looking for a retreat center that would really resonate with their their work. And they ended up uh, purchasing some land on the ocean in El Salvador, and I was invited to go down, and uh, it was still being built at the time. So for your listeners, if you can imagine a 28-year-old fresh off the boat from Cleveland in the middle of a Central American beach uh, retreat, no phones, sometimes electricity, no Spanish, and I was in charge of uh, 25 machete-carrying workers who would show up every Mm -hmm. morning to work on building the retreat. And what I learned was this that when we follow our hearts and when we uh, take risks, you know, the the willingness to take a risk, if it means following your heart, that the world, the universe will support us in ways that we can't even imagine when we start off. And so that's what happened to me. Now, I spent four years in Central America at this retreat. Much of it was in solitude. And um, Walt Baptiste gave me certain practices to do. So he would come down for a couple weeks and sometimes bring a group. And then he would go back to San Francisco, and I would be alone for three or four months. And he would give me a series of uh, tasks. And, for example, the first time he came to – he left me alone in – in El Salvador at the retreat, he gave me a sheet of paper, and on the sheet of paper were 10 yoga poses that he asked me to learn how to hold for one hour each and that he would be back in three months. 
And so I had three months to learn how to hold those yoga poses. And I'll tell you, it was what I learned was that it wasn't the physical challenge as much because the, the body, you could start off with three minutes in a particular posture and then you can go up to five minutes and then you can go up to six minutes and then your body gets stronger and stronger. But what you have to deal with is your mind to be still in one position and deal with the mind and learn to use the tools to help get hold of the mind. And what I saw inside myself was a tremendous amount of compromise. Like at first I loved the challenge and it seemed like it would be a really cool thing to be able to do that. But then after a few minutes I began to see my mind saying, why am I doing this? This isn't that important. I, this is too hard, and all of those other thoughts would come to the mind. Well, those thoughts are our saboteurs. Those are the kinds of thoughts that really hold us back from breaking through some of our self-imposed limitations so that we can really express who we really are. And a, a lot of that comes from really getting hold of our minds. And one of the most important ways of doing this is through meditation. So in my work, after uh, so many years of teaching now, 37 years actually, I more and more uh, help people work on the, on the breath and the mind, those two things. Uh, and, and that a few minutes of this kind of work can really have a profound effect on how one feels inside oneself in awareness and consciousness. Well, it's funny, um, Michelle, because one of the things that you've really changed for me, and I shared this with Shoshana, I don't know if you were on when I said this, but um, I, you know, been practicing naturopathic medicine and energy medicine for almost 25 years, and I have always kind of thrown out the breath work and the body work, and reading your book, I kind of like, you know, some people read the Bible, they get convicted. I got, like, convicted. My guys are like, girlfriend, we need a new new program. Because I do have very highly evolved psychic and intuitive abilities. I do have a high consciousness. I do have a high vibration. And they're saying, well, why settle there? Let's take it to the next level. And it's interesting because when I was five, I actually – my first yoga class when I was five and it's funny because even as a five-year-old I remember being in these crazy positions and it seemed like for a long time and this was with older people this was not a five-year-old yoga class I don't know what my mother was thinking that's another show but I just remember Michelle watching the clock but you know what's funny and I remember this there came a point where I stopped watching the clock and I went other places even as a five-year-old like you and so it's funny because they kind of brought me full circle, you know, where that was torturous to a five-year-old. Even then I got a glimpse of kind of what it could be or what it was meant to be. And mm-hmm. so I just love that you opened up that, and it's funny because you call it the 10th door, but you literally opened up this whole world to me again, and I just have to thank you for that. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. it, it and, and people... You know, people have these preconceived notions about what yoga is because, again, it, there's so much physical uh, in in the United States. And but, however, taking care of the body is very important on the spiritual path, as you know, because it's the vehicle that we walk around in, in this world with. 
And if we are in a state of illness or imbalance, trying to project spiritual clarity is very challenging. So to take care of the physical body, and in doing so, we also are taking care of ourselves mentally and emotionally as well. So it's a package, definitely. And it's it's finding that balance, which is challenging, because it's not like we find a point of balance and then we just stay there for the rest of our lives. It's like every day we have to really look at where am I right now, what would be a good thing for me to do, maybe just in the morning, what practice would be good to bring up my energy if things are a little low or um, more clarity, maybe the mind is fuzzy, what what kind of things am I going to eat today, you know, to help me have optimal energy as I go through the day. And it's checking in a lot. It's a lot of checking in. And some people might think that's selfish, but actually when we come from a state of balance, we have such a profound effect on everything and everyone else. And so it's almost a responsibility that we have for to ourselves as well as to our world. Michelle, I have a question for you. I, I've always been uh, interested in trying yoga. I've never done it. Do you, do you find that more men are getting into yoga than in the past? You know, it's sort of a wide question because uh, I would say more people are. You know, they estimate uh, there's somewhere between 18 and 20 million practitioners of yoga. But the idea is, is what aspect of yoga are you talking about? Are you talking about a physical class? Are you talking about um, uh, more of a, a spiritually oriented class? Uh, I would say that it's probably about the same, maybe a little bit more overall. I think the estimate is it's about 20% men and 80% women. And I'm in. Uh, go ahead. I'm in. I'm just kidding. Um, I, like there, there's so many types of yoga. I thought there was only one or two types, and I never realized there was all these other other forms of yoga. Uh huh. Well, actually, you know, it's interesting. Raja yoga, which is the yoga that I study, is inclusive of all yogas. Mm-hmm. So, in mm-hmm. other words, Raja yoga includes the physical postures, but it also includes the mental aspect and the spiritual practices as well. So if we're going to look at hatha yoga, hatha yoga is, pa- is any yoga that involves the physical postures, which would be practically all of the yoga that's out there today. So there's, um, you know, there's Iyengar yoga, there's Ashtanga yoga, there's hot yoga, there's you know, a range of yoga. All of that would be considered to be hatha yoga, which falls under the category of Raja Yoga. So the difference between a Hatha Yoga class and a Raja Yoga class is the Hatha Yoga pretty much sticks to the physical postures with some emphasis on breathing, but the Raja Yoga includes and emphasizes getting hold of the mind, introspection, and meditation. So it, it's, we release the tension from the physical body when we do the postures, the physical postures. Mm-hmm. And the goal is so that we can start to work on deeper levels of ourselves. Because if we are holding a lot of tension in the physical body, energy is held in the physical body. And we're not able to 
dive deeply within because our energy is stuck in the physical. So mm-hmm. learning how to truly relax the physical body, and sometimes to relax the physical body, we have to we have to move it and stretch it and release some of that deeply held tension, which is also mental tension, because mm-hmm. you can't separate the body and the mind. I was just going to say that I I when I about thirty years ago I went to my teacher. And I said, why are so many more women than men involved Mm. in yoga? And he said to me, and this is a big, strong man who was a Mr. America, too. He said, it's the male ego. But he said, when a man gets into yoga, they're more likely to go all the way with it. Mm. So I thought that was really uh, fascinating. Yeah, I do regular meditation, like, but I, I wasn't sure what the difference between going to, like, a meditation class versus a yoga class. What, what is different? You, you know, ultimately, that, the definition, according to Patanjali, who's the father of yoga, the definition of yoga is yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of the mind. Mm-hmm. Yoga is the cessation of the fluctuations of mind. So yoga is meditation. And the postures are only 600 to 800 years old. Isn't that amazing? Yoga is 5,000 years old, and the posture work, the physical posture work, is only 600 to 800 years old. It's relatively new. So for over 4,000 years, yoga was meditation. Now it's got that whole aspect of it, unfortunately, is getting lost. But you are definitely a yogi if you're sitting down to meditate on a regular basis. Hmm. Now, if you have an interest in learning the postures, which is great because they're very healthy, um, they're balancing, they balance the energies of left and right, they can be strengthening, and they're also great for the internal organs. People forget about that part. They think of the, the muscular system but uh, and the cardiovascular system, but also those internal organs have a, a tremendous nerve flow, pranic flow, move into the organs for the health and well-being of those deeper parts of ourselves. Did that answer your Thank question? You. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, it did. But now where would yeah. I find a place that does this type of yoga? Well, you know, I usually suggest to people because... Um, Oftentimes I work down at Rancho La Puerta, or I'll teach down there, which is a, a, the number one spa in the world right now. It's in Tecate, Mexico. Mm-hmm. And I, so I get people from all over the world, who, uh, especially the United States, who ask me, where can I find this kind of yoga? And I suggest that um, people take three or four different classes with different people. So you get a sense of a con- you know whether you connect with a particular teacher or style, and ask in advance you know is this pretty much a physical class or is there a spiritual aspect that's brought into it or let them know that that's what you're interested in, and uh, wherever you decide to go there are yoga centers and there are gyms that have yoga too, and I you know for years when I first started off teaching in the world. I taught at gyms, and um, and but partly it was because of my own training, my background in in um, in weight training, 
uh, but I was very comfortable in the gym setting. And I included meditation in my classes, and people were very open to it. So even in gyms, you'll find some really uh, strong, good teachers. But you have to sort of look around. Thank you. You're welcome. Kareem, did you have a question? I thought you talked yeah, about Yeah, okay. I was about okay. to ask about the breath. And, um, you know, I, I, I know about yoga, too. I'm, I'm very interested in it. I haven't taken a class yet, but I'm interested more in I I like, well, I do um, meditate frequently, but mm-hmm. I haven't been into the frequent, I mean, into the, um, the stance part of it, like getting into those stances. Mm-hmm. And I know that increases, you know, flexibility for, like, athletes or anything, and it's good for muscular flexibility also. But I was wondering, like, the powers of the breath. Like, I, I, I notice with myself when I get a little bit frustrated or anything, I'll notice I start taking deeper breaths and it calms me down. So mm-hmm. not, I remember you saying the, the um, if you could control your mind and your breath, you could basically everything. So, you yeah. Yeah. No, actually, you know, there's a a great uh uh master of raja yoga, an Indian master who said, "He who controls the breath controls the universe." Wow. Or or I like to say, "She who controls the breath controls the universe." But that's a very <laughs> powerful statement. Love it. What does he mean by that? Our your your breathing patterns, we all have habits of breathing and we all have habits of thinking. So I'm just going to back up a little bit. Do you know how many thoughts that you think in a day? Take a guess. Millions. Millions, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> Actually, psychology has come up with a number. And they say that we think about sixty to 90,000 thoughts in a day. So let's say 60,000 thoughts in a day. 90% of those thoughts you thought yesterday. Really? Yeah. We tend to repeat the same things over and over and over. We've got this chattering mind that's going on all the time in the background, and it's going over the same material for the most part. That's why we keep recreating the same things in our lives because thought is creative, as we, you know, you guys are all on the same page with that, I'm sure, and we are creating our reality out of our thoughts. So we, we tend to think the same thing over and over again. So we have these habits of thinking. Now we also have habits of breathing, and they are totally intertwined with one another. Your breathing habits and your mental habits are so interconnected you can't separate them. So what happens is when we start changing our breathing patterns and opening up our breathing apparatus in new ways, breathing more fully and completely, we begin to clear out some of that programming that we have. And it's conditioning. You know, we we have this tremendous mental conditioning that we're trying to break out of to really uh, experience ourselves in our full potential as spiritual human beings. And when we can start to change those breathing patterns, we let go of some of this hard, fast thought patterns that we have, 
and open up to new creative thoughts and ideas that come to us. So the breath is very important. And there are so many breathing exercises in yoga. They have, there's, it's called pranayama. And prana is life force. It's like chi. I mean, I think everybody's familiar with the Chinese version of chi, of life force. Well, prana is the Indian or the yoga version. And prana is, it's, you can actually draw more prana into your system through conscious breathing. So there are breathing practices to help lift your energy and there are breathing practices to help calm everything down. There are breathing exercises that you can learn to actually send breath into the cells for healing. And there's breathing exercises if your mind is in a turmoil and you keep obsessing on a situation over and over. There are breathing exercises to move yourself out of that. So there's a tremendous body of work. And actually, um, psychology admits that the uh, body of work of the breathing in yoga is far superior to any other uh, body of work regarding the breath. So breath is life for the physical body, but also it's the subtle aspect of breath that we use to move inside of ourselves in meditation. So we have the, the gross physical breath that keeps us alive on the planet and that we use in exercise and then we have that subtle breath that when we become very still and the mm. breath becomes very calm, then we can use that to move into our innermost center of being. So the breath is a, it's a real key. Wow. Yeah. Now, as far as the flexibility goes, you know, like I was saying, as far as athletes and everybody, um, would you advise some athletes to start taking yoga? Because, you know, you know, they use their breath a lot, you know, running around. And um, flexibility is also is great for exercising and, um, and doing physical activities. So. Right, and injury prevention. Injury prevention. You know, my teacher's son is Baron Baptiste. I don't know if you've heard of Baron or not. He's a very well-known teacher, yoga teacher on the East Coast. He used to be the yoga coach for the Philadelphia Eagles football team. Mm. And this was probably 15 years ago. A lot of the professional teams do have uh, yoga coaches on staff and work with them in their flexibility because there's no question that there's injury prevention with greater levels of flexibility. And we're just looking on a physical level. But on another level, a level of focus and concentration, which is needed by athletes, of course, um, my cousin actually is a what he calls a, he's a, he has his PhD, but he's a sports psychologist, and he works for like um, several of the major baseball teams, and he goes in there and works with them on mental attitude and um, what you know, working on the mind to help them uh, not have anything in their thought pattern that would not be of success. And I asked him, how much of what you do is yoga? And he looked at me and he said, it's all yoga. Mm. He just doesn't call it that. It's, he's a sports psychologist is what he calls it, but he says it's all yoga. So on the mental side of things, practices are borrowed from yoga uh, for sports performance. 
and on the physical side also the the injury prevention and uh and and also greater performance so. wow yeah. I- Go ahead, Kareem. Sorry. No, I was gonna go somewhere totally different. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go somewhere. Well, I'm gonna stay on the breath thing for a moment. Um, what would you say to someone who holds their breath? Like, does that? What does that mean? If you're always, always, always holding your breath, and then how could your life change if you started to have more conscious breath work? Mm-hmm. I would say my first reaction in hearing that question is that somebody is holding on to a fear. It's it's mm. it could be and it could be something from childhood. It's interesting, um, Kimber- Dr. Kimberly. I um, have worked with many many women who I've observed in the gym because, as you as you know, I was a former Mister um, not not former Mister America. I was going to say I was a <laughs> former competitive bodybuilder as well, and I worked in the gym and I used the gym to help people learn how to breathe more freely and more openly. And several women have confided in me over the years that they had been abused as children. And I started to notice a pattern in their physical bodies. And usually their chests were not developed. I don't mean breast, but I mean their chest capacity was very tiny. And that's because when you're in a state of fear, you don't breathe fully. And how we breathe has an effect on how our physical body forms. So people who are very shallow breathers that don't open up their chest, oftentimes it's because they're living as children uh, in, in with some fear issues. So when I work with people who do have um, problems with their breathing, I'm gentle with it at first. But one of the practices I love to give them is what's called the three-part breath or the complete yogic breath and in that breath you learn how to first breathe in the lower abdomen and then direct the breath to the diaphragm and then finally to the upper chest so you learn how to breathe and open up in all three parts and um, and then as you exhale you first exhale from the chest then the diaphragm and then out the abdomen And then you breathe in, abdomen, diaphragm, chest. It's like a wave going up and down the body. And you can lie down and do it. It's great to do it in the morning when you first wake up or at night or any time, really, to get get a new habit of breathing. You know, I, I would... I would love, you know, I just have like a very short paragraph on breath that I wanted to read from my book. Yeah, please. And yeah, it's the first day when I went into the gym sort of kicking and screaming because it was the last thing I wanted to do. I was there for yoga. I wasn't interested in weights. And my teacher, who Norman, who is a figure throughout the book, a real mentor for me, he said to me, in the gym, we want to increase your breathing capacity. Breath is life, and we want to draw more life force into the system. As you gracefully coordinate lifting and breathing, you'll increase your chest capacity and your pranic energy levels. But I already know how to breathe, I protested. I'd been doing it since the moment I was Mm -hmm. born. Nothing to it. Yes, he responded patiently, but you have a habit of breathing that keeps you at a certain level physically and mentally. 
It's intertwined with your habits of thinking and your emotional reactions. When you learn to breathe more fully, you will also expand your mind and your perceptions of life, so your awareness. And it will help you in your meditation practice. It's all related. So I think that sort of sums it up. Yeah, I love that. And that's what really convicted me. I think it's hard, though, Michelle, to find a teacher depending where you live, um, possibly. So what would you recommend? Do you really have to be taught? Should you just do what comes naturally? Should you research on the Internet? I think you should write a follow-up book of like well, your, you your know, <laughs> well, I would love to do that. And once this book is firmly out in the world, I plan on continuing. But um, I would say I made some CDs specifically for people that want to do the practices that can't, that can't be with me. Ah, and okay. They're called the Inner Practices of Yoga, and one of them is uh, relaxation and meditation. And then one of them is self-healing, and that's where I teach uh, a chakra balancing exercise, uh, 10 minutes of meditation, and then 20 minutes of learning how to direct the mind and breath into the cells for healing. And I've had so many women who've gone through chemotherapy for breast cancer tell me that that CD really helped get them through their chemotherapy. Um, and it's helpful, actually, for anything anybody's going through, whether it's serious or or not so serious. And then um, there's a Yoga Nidra CD, which my husband did. And Yoga Nidra, Nidra in Sanskrit means sleep. And there are, the yogis learn to move into a deep state of rest where we're more at rest than when we're sleeping. But the mind is very clear and awake. And in that state, you can access the subconscious mind and learn things. You can just absorb things just unbelievably in that space. So I did this, and what I did was about eight years ago, I was uh, sat down in meditation, and as clear as anything, my teacher's voice came to me, and he had died a few years before, and he said, you must go back to El Salvador which I hadn't been to in years. So I, the Baptiste family still owns the retreat, although nobody's down there because they've mm. had a lot of, uh, you know, political situations. They have a guardian there. But within one week, I was on a plane, and I went down to El Salvador. I was there by myself. And it was so interesting because a lot of the workers had grown up, and their kids were now adults because I hadn't been there in so long. And... But what I did was I spent three weeks and wrote the scripts to these CDs as I sat by the ocean. And uh, it was very powerful, actually. And I came back and went into a studio and made the CDs. So they were really inspired from this really potent place. And so I would recommend to people the CDs. And and then there's a DVD my husband did that's great uh, for the yoga practice, the physical practice. And... um, it's actually when you first start off, you definitely want some guidance, and especially with the breathing. So hopefully <clears throat> I've created something that will help people. And they, those can be found on my website, which is rajayogis.net, R-A-J-A-Y-O-G-I-S 
www.thepowerofpositivity.net. So, wow. Well, one of the things I wanted to touch on that I kind of forgot about again until I read your book and then I remembered because I'm pretty sensitive to the energies of food and what's life-giving and what isn't. But one thing I like that you brought out in your book was the energy that it's not just the nature of the food or the energy of the food or where it was grown, but the energy of how it's prepared. Could you speak a little bit about that? I really like that. Oh, I would love to. Did you ever see that movie, Like Water for Chocolate? I love that movie. Yeah, well, the movie's like that. And for those of you who don't know what it is, it's about a woman who's a chef. And it's, it's a Mexican movie, really brilliant. And she, as she cooked, if she was in a state of crying, if she was really, really sad and she was crying as she cooked, what happened was when she served the people who were, at her table, they would start crying as they ate the food. And so, and if she was like really happy and she was cooking and really dynamically happy, that would happen to the people who ate the food. So what I learned when I first started at the Baptiste restaurant was we were taught that what you're thinking while you prepare the food goes into the food And then when you serve the food, the thoughts that you're thinking as you serve the food also have an influence on what happens to people when they eat the food. So I guess to simplify it, you could say, you know, mother's home cooking is always the best because mother has a lot of love and we're eating the love that she put into the food. Um, And I also hear people say when they eat in a restaurant all the time, like people who are working on the road, uh, it, they just don't feel right after a while. And so we we are taking on and into ourselves what has gone into the food before in, their, in its preparation. And Baptiste Restaurant had little signs to remind us. So in, in front of the chef's stove, you know, there was a mantra, you know, peace, harmony, well-being. And then we're, wait, waitresses and waiters served the food, served the tea, and the, this little tea room. There was, you know, reminder: what are you thinking? You know, what are you putting into the the food? And so that was a very important part of the yoga practice in serving people. And uh, we don't think about that so much. And uh, the other thing is that we don't think about a lot is what we're thinking about when we're eating the food. What state of are we in emotionally when we're eating? Mm. Because we take that into ourselves. And I have actually, one of, I have a friend who's a yoga teacher that when people start talking about their illnesses and problems, physical problems at dinner, she says, no organ recitals at dinner. I thought that was pretty cute. But it's it's true that if, if you're talking about, oh, so-and-so just has got this terrible disease while you're having dinner with people, people are taking those thoughts into themselves as they eat the food. So it's very important to be, you know, sort of upbeat and uh, and keeping the energies lifted as, as we're eating and dining with others. Yeah, you know, I'm never eating fast food again. <laughs> That's good. But um, but back to what we, you were talking before about breathing, and you know when a woman's in labor, they teach you how to breathe, and and I never put those two together, but that was a pretty good analogy with your talking about breathing, 
and pain and uh huh, absolutely making yourself feel better. Absolutely, no question about it. And you know, there's a lot of yoga out there for for pregnancy too, for women who are pregnant. And uh, they learn in the yoga classes uh, different breathing practices that can be used for their labor. And, of course, there's many different methods. The Lamaze method is out there and different um, breathing techniques. But to really get hold of the breath uh, can make a big difference in delivery or or as well as dealing with pain. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, Michelle, could you run through again your website and um, how we could buy your CDs and where we could purchase your book and the name of your book? But I do have one question before you do that, before we let you go. I have one question. Do you meet your husband in the book? Because I'm not done, and I'm like two-thirds of the way through. Oh, good. You know, actually, at the end of the book, there's an epilogue, and in the epilogue, I talk about meeting my husband. Okay. And um and actually Walt Baptiste married us. So Aww. I talk a little bit about uh, yeah, I talk a little bit about that. And um yeah, so and my husband and I teach together and we lead retreats all over the world and our joy is to pass on the practices that lead to transformation. Lead I'm to not, I'm not letting you off that easy. You have to tell me the story now of how you met your husband, Michelle. I can't wait. Oh, okay. No, this is actually this is a this is a good story. I was uh I had been on staff at Rancho La Puerta for three years and worked for Rancho La Puerta and the Golden Door, which are spas. And I had moved to Northern California, but I would go back and teach there for a couple weeks every year. And I was down there teaching, and, and one of the women who works there said to me, you know, I have this friend, he's into yoga, and I think you would really like him. And so I thought, oh, well, okay, um, what's his name? And she said, well, his name is Mehrad Nazari. And uh, so I said, oh, and then I said, you know, where is he from? And he explained, she explained to me that he had been born in Iran and that he had been in this country for a long time. And I thought, oh. Mm -hmm." And it was sort of cool because my friend, who this woman who was fixing us up, her partner was from Israel, and these two men were best friends. And I thought, oh, that's interesting, an Iranian and Israeli, you know, best friends. I liked that. I thought that was sort of cool. And so we met, and I thought he was very nice, and but really not my type. And then after a couple months, I realized that this was a really extraordinary person. And we, we were married like in four or five months. And he began studying with Walt. He would fly up to San Francisco and, and take some of Walt's meditation classes. And um, he realized the power that was behind uh, this, these particular teachings. And so we've been married now for 20 years and teaching together for that long. So I'm very thankful. The ranch, Rancho La Puerta has played a very important part in my life. And for people who haven't been there, it's a very special place, very special place. So did that answer your question, Dr. Kimberly? Okay, I have one more little piece of the question. How did you know, is it because you are so highly conscious and in tune with who you are and what you desire to have? How did you know that this was a person, you know, that you could go ahead and commit your life to? 
Well, at first, as I said, I didn't. I really thought that he would be a wonderful friend. But then, as I got to know him more, I just realized what a high-caliber person he was. And then I fell in love with him. And, you know, once that happens, there's really no turning back. And so, and, and also, for me, it was important that there was... It's not important for everybody because you can be on the, you know, very strongly on the spiritual path and be married to someone who is a wonderful supporter, but not at that place at this time in his evolution, his or her evolution. And that can work very well. I see it work very well as long as the other partner is supportive of what the person's doing mm. uh, spiritually. But for me, it was always important that that person that I would finally connect with would be on the spiritual path. And so it was beautiful that that happened. And uh, it's been very powerful because we have the male and the female when we teach. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we just finished at a teacher training program, an eight-month teacher training program with 30 people in the group and taught them how to teach. And uh, that was something that's probably, I would say, besides my book, the most important piece of work that I've done. Because to pass on these teachings and then see other people able to pass them on. And it's more than the teachings. It becomes, there's a lineage of um, energy that moves through. And there's a transmission that can then move through to... Um, I guess you could say another generation and hopefully that's what my teacher did for me and I did want to mention one last thing about the book is that a lot of people are missing this when you get to the end of the book on the next page there's a paragraph that says the secret chapter and you go to the secret chapter on my website and there's a special word you have to type in that's in the book, a password, and then you go to the most important chapter in the book, and that's the secret chapter. So some people finish the book, and they miss the secret chapter. So wait I'm telling minute, you this wait now. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is when so you, cool. Like when you get chapter, to the last page, there's a secret chapter on my website. Oh, yeah. my gosh, but you can only get there through the book. I mean, somebody can't go onto my website and find the secret chapter. <clears throat> they have to follow the directions in the book. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. Isn't that great? I do. Yeah. Okay. So what does the tenth tell me really quick, what does the tenth door mean? And then give us your website and we're gonna have to wrap it up, although we could talk to you forever. You're so wonderful. I know. It's been wonderful. Well, the tenth door, the the title of the book is The Tenth Door, an adventure through the jungles of enlightenment. And the tenth door well, there are nine physical openings in the body. <clears throat> the eyes, the ears, the nose, the mouth, and you can count the rest. But there's a secret opening at the crown of the head known as the tenth door, which is also the crown chakra. <clears throat> and it's from this place that the people are able to actually learn how to spiritually move out of the physical body. And the the subtitle the jungles of enlightenment, an adventure through the jungles of enlightenment, the jungles are the jungles of our minds, our belief systems and thought patterns that hold us back from expressing our true potential. But it's also the jungles of El Salvador where I had much of this amazing adventure. My website is 
www.rajayogis, because there's two of us, R-A-J-A-Y-O-G-I-S dot net. And um, my name, my pronunciation of my name is the French pronunciation. It's Michelle Hebert, H-E-B-E-R-T. Wonderful. Thank thank you you so much. We had such a good time. Thank you so much. And I just can't tell you what it means that you really got my book. I mean, you did. You own it, and it's a part of you. And I hope one day our paths cross and we meet one another. Oh, I would love to meet you. And I just want you to know this is a book that, you know, my daughters are going to read and my grandchildren are going to read. And I just think that's amazing to write such you know, something so timeless and, you know, that can affect so many lives. So thank you for showing up as I teach my clients, as you, and for sharing your journey with us. And many thank, blessings to you. Thank you so much, Dr. Kimberly. Have a good night, Michelle. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody. Well, um, I have a friend of mine, and his name is Iqbal, and I've been on his show, and a couple of you might have heard it, or the thousands of you might have heard it, I'll say that. But he has written some music that I'm going to share with you that kind of goes along with what Michelle's talking about. So it's a couple minutes, and if you would like to hear more of him, he has a blog talk radio show August 16th at 3 p.m. He will be discussing health on that date, and you can go to blog talk radio dot com slash equal I-Q-B-A-L. And his website is, well, I'll give you his website after I play the song. I'm going to go ahead and play this song.
Uh, I thought I was talking the whole time, you guys. Somebody should have said something. Oh, my goodness. Thank you guys for listening. It was a wonderful show. Thank you, Walt, for your wonderful questions. Thank you, Kara, Mm -hmm. I guess. Um, Thank you, Kareem, for being here and for participating, and thank you, everyone, for listening. Kareem, you can take us out. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night, everybody. Go ahead, Kareem. Uh, Be sure to catch us next week. Check out all the archive. (laughs) Also, you can catch Dr. Kim at Serene Wellness at Twitter, Serenity Natural Wellness on Facebook, and www.secretseverything.com. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening on Secrets to Everything with Dr. Kimberly McGeorge. Listen every Wednesday night, Eastern Standard Time, from 7 to 8 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio.